Today, we will be interviewing the man who is making my life much easier these days, our new executive vice president, moderator of all things moderate, and the awareness guru of Cincinnati, which is a plan the way Mike has always introduced me. Uh, but yeah, Michael Harkey. Michael, why are you the EVP of Infotex? Well, you know, I like to uh, uh, believe I'm the best man for the job. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, we did an extensive search um, looking inside the company and outside the company. And, uh, you know, well, it, going back, uh, there was essentially a finding that, uh, you know, that we had to create a secession plan and, and uh, you know, we went, had to figure out the best route uh, to, to give, you know, Infotex the best, best opportunity to succeed with that secession plan. Um, so, yeah, so after looking inside and outside our organization, you know, Dan, uh, Dan and Stacy doing what they always do and, uh, you know, really looking under every possibility, under every rock and under everybody's skin, um, you know, I, I rose to the top. Well, and I mean, what's kind of interesting is that you talked about the finding as being a finding for a succession plan. And we were able to be public about that. So we went back to the team. This is back in 2016. And so we we're like, hey, we need to develop a succession plan. And and we already had kind of the makings of one in our business continuity plan where, you know, oh, if Mike's missing, Sean will do this and Chad will do that. And if Chad's gone, you know, that sort of thing. But where the the private part, the part that wasn't actually published is that they also wanted us to do an emergency succession plan and an exit plan. And uh, interestingly, Michael, um, you might not remember this, but it was about, I don't know, it seemed to me like 30 seconds after Stacy and I closed on buying the company from our partners. This is way back in 2012. Uh, but it seemed to be pretty soon after that, Mike approaches us and says, you know, Stacy and Dan, I want to buy into the company. What, you know, you know, you guys own the company. What do I got to do to buy into the company? And, and we were like, well, A, Mike, you're not even an employee yet. <laughs> but B, I mean, come on, let us enjoy owning the company for a while here, uh, which, you know, uh, and then Mike would be bugging us about it. Hey, I've saved up money, that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, um, every couple of years, probably every evaluation, would you say, Mike? Yeah, I'd say so. And then, uh, but but then when Mike came to us about it again after the finding for the exit plan, that was when we started thinking, you know, if we're going to do it from within, who will it be? Because we always referred to SMAC is what we called Sean, Mike, and Chad, the, you know, and it was a very informal, loosely, you know, governed management team. Um that, you know, reported to Stacy and Dan kind of collectively. And so it really did cause us to have to get more formal about a lot of things. Would you agree with that? So Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of things would become more formal and and that's not a bad thing. Well, and then, you know, we looked outside, you know, I mean, I'm Dan, so as everybody can imagine, there was several spreadsheets involved in the analysis. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your background and, you know, just kind of how you got into cybersecurity in the first place? Sure. Absolutely. So, um, 
I've been in IT for, you know, 20 something plus years. I mean, it's really where I started. Um, I started passing around business cards when I was 16 years old, I think, uh, that just basically said uh, I mean, they were horrible. Uh, they basically said, if I don't know the answer, I'll figure it out. Uh, you know, and the 16 year old handing out this business card probably didn't uh, give much confidence. Uh, but, you know, those my friends, family, and so people like that gave me an opportunity. And next thing I knew, um, I actually uh, scored a, a job way too young at PNG, uh, Procter & Gamble, based out of Cincinnati, way in over my head. But long story short, um, I uh, actually met Sean Wall um, at a uh, at a job before that we both had before this in the IT department working with him. And then he came to Infotex and and basically from the beginning was like, hey, I need to get you over here. Um, but it was, uh, you know, like another year before uh, I was able to, to join the team. So but before that, I was actually started two separate companies and sold them off. Uh, one was doing just web design and the other was doing um, IT support for small and uh, slightly larger than very small <laughs> businesses. Um, so my journey into cybersecurity, really, Infotex was my my intro. Um, you know, at the time, my big thing was don't write down your passwords, don't share your passwords. You know, that was pretty much as secure as I got in that field. Um, and then obviously was in for a uh, serious learning experience yeah. running Infotex. Uh, but I found love. I mean, all those things that I was concerned and worried about for my clients you know, uh, that was keeping me up at night. Um, you know, those those uh, questions were answered at Infotex. Those, there were solutions to those problems. So I immediately fell in love with it. Well, and, and as you now know, I mean, it's the love. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to do this job without the love. You know, we kind of built a weird, unique thing. And we don't call it a company as much as we call it a culture. And um, in order to be in what our lawyer calls the hot seat, um, and actually I never heard that before until our first meeting with our lawyer, where we introduced, you know, Mike to Vigilize, the team that helps us manage the company, you know, it's a, like a board, so to speak, for us. Uh, we're in the FFIC examination program, and and so we want to act like a bank that has a board. And so we, we call our board Vigilize. We introduced the, you know, Vigilized to Mike, which really wasn't a big board meeting that we brought Mike into. It was an individual meeting with our accountant, our lawyer, our banker, et cetera, et cetera. And, and our lawyer basically said, so Mike, are you starting to you know, feel the singe of the hot seat? And Mike had just been through a couple of interesting, you know, it's always the personnel issues that kind of pop up. Um, but back to your entry into, you know, cybersecurity through Infotech, our um, our most recent hire, I just I just kind of did a follow-up, hey, how's things going interview. And uh, what's kind of interesting is that uh, I had slacked uh, this person, oh, I don't know, like a couple of weeks ago, you know, about how well, and you know, what you got to realize is back in the day, you know, we the first 50 banks I talked to, you know, wanted to work with us, but they couldn't work with us because we weren't already working with banks. And, and our new, new employee is like, well, that's kind of like it was with me, you know, trying to get into cybersecurity as everybody kept telling me, Hey, I'd love to hire you, but you're, you know, we, 
we, you know, we only hire people that are working in cybersecurity. And fortunately, I think we saw a lot with this guy. I guess he was our second to last hire um, because, boy, he's working out good under your leadership, Mike, uh, which is, you know, one of the things that I really, you know, feel like uh, ended up being the cusp of our decision making process was, you know, is there the love? And can this person lead? What you know, that's important, of course. You know, how hard you're willing to work, of course, that's important. Uh, your willingness to buy at a company wasn't important, but it showed us a lot about your ambition and, you know, motivation and that sort of thing. Um, but I guess what I'd like to ask you then is uh, let's circle back around to you know, what my lawyer asked, which is, you know, how does that feel? Have you, you know, have you felt the singe of the hot seat? What's that feel like to somebody that's brand new in the hot seat? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think we're, I think being in the hot seat, you're, you're singed uh, quite often, you know, the degree of that singe is kind of the, <laughs> the, the new metric that you're going by. Um, but no, I mean, the the thing that I love about it, though, is that it gives me the opportunity to, to ensure that, uh, you know, on every facet of our business that we're taking care of our client and, you know, we're doing our best. And, you know, to, not to say that we weren't before, it's just that, you know, I was only in the uh, managed security operations center side. And so, you know, yeah, I could make sure that uh, was really running well. But no, I mean... Uh, the hot seat is is definitely hot. Don't get me wrong, but um, uh, you know it's it's where I want to be ultimately. It it, it is it's a wonderful seat to be in. You know, what I mean it it it, it is. Um, and why is that? What are some of the what are some of the positives that have already come out of you? You know, having you know the helm. Mm, good question. Um, I think there's been just a lot of synergy. Um, you know, we, uh, we're a small company, but a smaller company, but, you know, we do uh, have our own silos. Um, so I think there's just, you know, that in itself, we've been able to kind of synergize those silos. Kind of, There's been kind of new uh, lines of communication open in those silos. Obviously, uh, as somebody that was just part of a team, and recommending ideas and features and new products. Um, now I'm kind of the guy deciding if those new features and products are are good. So obviously, you know, that's uh, really exciting. Um, and uh, I think that's a pro personally. Um, but yeah, I, you know, obviously I, for, for me, I think it's just about, um, you know, making sure that the, our clients are, are always uh, getting the best support they possibly can. Um, and we're constantly, you know, doing everything we can to exceed expectations. Um, and I, and, you know, I think in those areas, uh, you know, we've making, we made some strides. And you share with us some of the challenges that you've overcome, you know, the last, it's, it's been about a year, even though we announced the, you know, my semi-retirement and Mike's taken over of the helm, what, in December, right? So it's been about six months ago. Uh, and, and really, we we conveyed to Mike that, hey, you're the person, what, I think it was like December of 2020 or so, 
uh, that we've made our decision. We want you to run our company. Is am, am I getting the time frame? Um, and so there's been plenty of chances for Mike to to learn. Uh, you know, a by you know us trying to teach Mike as much as we can. It's, it's amazing how much information that guy can vacuum up. Uh, <laughs> But then B, you know, making mistakes because some of the information got vacuumed in, in backwards or whatever, right? Um, so, you know, come on, let's share some of the challenges that that a guy stepping into a, a pinnacle role like yours. I mean, how did it go with Sean and Chad? I mean, let's, let's talk about some of that. Well, I, I, l- let me back up and, and talk about, you know, one of the, the uh, biggest challenges I faced, and that was... Um, uh, almost clerical. <laughs> you just you 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 lose some second set of eyes, as we like to call them, uh, checks. Um, and so some of those mistakes you make, uh, not double, triple, quadruple checking some details, yes. uh, get you in can get you into a lot more trouble than they could <laughs> before. <laughs> well, and 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 I'll go ahead and say, you know, when when you're handling payroll. <laughs> there, the impact of the low likelihood risk is still black one because, wow, this impacts somebody's personal life. You know what I mean? And so, uh, but boy, I mean, you had that whole thing handled before the, you know, I mean, I, I feel like within hours, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so it was, it was a perfect example where we showed to, a, a you know, all right, maybe we better give a little bit of, de- can we give a little bit of detail to that, Mike? Uh, yeah, you're you're welcome to my end. Um, well, go ahead. I'd rather oh. you rabbit. Oh, uh, sure, sure. Um, so basically, uh, uh, so an employee's uh, um, payroll information uh, got uh, trans transposed uh, incorrectly entered, um, and therefore, um, by the way, what the word we use for that is fat fingered. Okay, fat <laughs> fingered. Yeah. And so, as you can imagine, um, in that area, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't take much to to goof things up. So, um, but the but what we were is with, uh, we're very transparent, and we were uh, able to to turn lemons into lemonade, even in that scenario, um, with somebody that you know uh, was very upset that had reached out to us and and not a customer, not not you know, uh, but but you know, we want to make sure that that. They were taken care of and know that honest mistakes do happen. And and a person in, you know, the middle of Indiana that has nothing to do with cybersecurity now understands a little bit about data integrity risk. Yes. Right? I mean, and, and I know even more about it as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know firsthand about it, right? I mean, as our <laughs> chief coder is where Mike came from, right? I mean, you obviously understood data integrity. We're very proud of our data integrity posture on our scene. Um, which by the way, I mean, I, I want to make sure that before we finish our interview here, we talk about the changes to the scene because that's where I just have substantial, and don't get me wrong. Um, well, let's back up. So, so to help the audience understand, you know, by all means, the last thing we want the president of Infotex to be doing once Mike steps into that role is the details of payroll. But what Mike's been going through is we want him to learn every single corner of the the details of every single corner of this business as it stands now, so that we're confident that as he modifies the business, it's being you know it's, it's still the the culture is not shifting without our being conscious of it. 
the culture has shifted since Mike, you know, at least since we started this, the pandemic shifted our culture just slightly, I, I hope. <laughs> you know, we still don't know exactly how far it got shifted. Yeah. Uh, but also it's being shifted because the next generation's taken over. And and really the the area that I feel like we've been hands off on because it Mike did come from seam development is NGC. And so can you describe to us, you know, your the you know what what's been going on with NG Seam at a at a high level. We don't want to make this about NG Seam, but but talk to us about that. And then maybe start with when you took over. Like let's kind of get a little bit of history, right? So so there there and then there was Michael Hartney. <laughs> All right, so the first things he did was midnight caching. And and there's actually a lyric and uh let's bring in Hartney and Schmidt. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, and and uh, and uh, it seems to be my thing to drill down in the details as well. Yes, so exactly, exactly. So and and it is in my uh, it officially made new day. And I told you about how I took every single one of my physical CDs and digitized them, and now have a library. You'll be proud to know that it's still in my library, and it still makes my playlist. <laughs> Good. Uh, so yeah, so basically, when I came in, um, I came in as a data security analyst. Uh, part time, I worked my I worked up to six shifts, uh, which we don't do that anymore. <laughs> but I worked up to six third shifts, um, and then uh, you know, and and obviously was getting more ingrained with the team. Uh, Sean obviously knew I had a um, development background. I think he was, um, you know, kind of protecting me from <laughs> from being a developer uh, in the beginning. Uh, we did have a developer on staff as well, and and so. I just started getting projects peppered to me, essentially. And back then, uh, I would call it scene one, probably at that point. Um, and and you know, and so the the last version we we call internally scene two, and the new version ng seam, uh, we call it virtually internally scene three. Um, so essentially, I came into the project and started doing um, uh, uh, just small projects. I had nothing to do with that kind of stuff and just to kind of show my worth. Um, and eventually I was put on that development team of scene one, which had kind of stalled out um, and kind of took it over and got it to, you know, production already, which I call scene 1.5. Um, and then scene two was where we included midnight caching, rogue device detection, the acknowledgement engine, um, you know, really kind of took it to, uh, he took real-time reporting to the next level, uh, really brought in the integration of our data security analysts, uh, much more so than they ever have been before um, at that time as well. And then at that point... Uh, I, I'd like to add, um, and, and this is the first time I've thought of this, but I feel like another thing that kind of helped with scene two, at least towards the end there, was our change. If you remember, all of our data security analysts were 1099 employees. Um, and as 1099 employees, we're just paying them by the shift. All, you know, we wanted them to do is to watch the sock. We didn't do a lot of threat hunting. We didn't, you know, and so when we hired all of those analysts and said, we want you to be part of the culture, don't you think that, I mean, that had nothing to do with the development of the code, but that seemed to have a big impact on the on the need for the next generation scene would you agree with me there mike or absolutely absolutely because it goes you know a sim can be many things 
And at the minimum, it can just be uh, something you don't ever look at that's there is very powerful that you don't ever look at. In the middle, I'd say it's a really good reporting tool. And on the very far side, it's a very good threat hunting tool, right? And so I think we've ran that gamut now. And that's where we got to the point we said, hey, we need that really good threat hunting tool. This reporting tool is great, but it's not giving us, it's not zigging where we need to zag. It's not pivoting where we need to pivot. And there, that's really where the, uh, where NG Same, you know, and it, and it's funny because it was kind of NG Same was kind of what we couldn't do with the technology was Seam 2 at the time. We knew we always wanted everything in one bucket. We knew that we wanted an IP address to be an IP address to be an IP address, but we didn't know big data didn't exist yet. You know, that term didn't even exist yet. You know, things were akin to flat files. Yeah, you know, we were just past flat files. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So it, it was where we wanted to be. We're really excited about where we're at already. Um, uh, just being able to, again, have everything in the same bucket, be able to pivot on the right things. That really helps our uh, threat threat hunting and threat detection. And 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 once again, we're way out in front of everybody else. And I'm just waiting for the uh, buzzwords to catch up. You know, I mean, when threat hunting first became a bu- buzzword, I'd like to say I, I went to you and Sean and like, hey, what's threat hunting? And and Sean's like, well, hold on a second, he googled. He's like, oh, it's what we've been doing since about 2003. You know, and and really, we have, we had. From a reporting perspective, it wasn't an interactive process. And that really what's the big changes now? I'd say we've always done threat hunting when it comes to the network layer. It was the getting the event log data to be symbiotic, to be useful, to to make sense at the same time. Um, so so was, I, I, I say we now truly can do threat hunting where we were always doing what we knew to be threat hunting, where what we called threat hunting, what we kind of developed as threat hunting. Uh, but now we're bringing in all these other data resources with big data. And now threat hunting itself has kind of jumped up. The definition, the, the use of it has kind of accelerated. Well, as in a good example, though, is one of the new services, and then and then maybe we should try to get off the subject of Scene 3 just because we want this to be about, you know, what you've uh, been going through these last, you know, months. But the whole Canary File thing, um, I think that's a great service. And, and what I like about it is we're, patching, pa- uh, we're packaging it together. We're putting some processes around it. We're training our DSAs around it. We're training our customers, our, our clients uh, around it. Well, I remember way back, and it was about 2004, uh, that we talked a client into uh, putting a watch on their MOPS file, is what they called it, their marketing operations file in the Jack Henry system that was on their AS400. It wasn't even on a Windows machine or anything. And we were able to watch, uh, we, we saw one of our loan officers dumping that file right before they gave notice. Um, and so the concept has always been there. It's just that because the big data tools are now affordable to, you know, uh, developers like us, we're able to like really zig where our clients zag. Dude, that's the other thing I love about our seam is that it's really been focused in on who our clients are, you know, and who they're always going to be. Financial institutions who are too small to stand up their own security operations center. Mm-hmm. Um 
But I, I want to kind of circle back around to, because it was very important to Stacy and I that whoever ended up running the company was going to have to have the, you know, respect of the people in the company, right? And so we've been talking about the win-win-win for since 2016. And, and really what we're talking about with that is the, is the need that, you know, Dan and Stacy need to retire. Our employees need to still thrive in a culture that, you know, we've all been really proud of and talking about for 24 almost years now. And our customers need to be safe as the FFIEC, you know, is they're the ones that started this whole thing, right? But also they need to continue to get the excellence that we've become known for. And so we looked at outside people. Uh, we had kind of like uh, uh, like like virtual personalities that we were comparing to our inside people. And, and it would be like, well, what if we hired a bank president? You know what I mean? Now, there's somebody who has a whole bunch of business skills, doesn't understand the technology maybe, you know, maybe at the high level or whatever. So what about your background do you think kind of really helped us feel a lot better about maybe promoting from within. Can you, can you shed some light on that? Um, well, I think that uh, the fact that I've essentially, you know, kind of started and been merged or bought out uh, a few times, um, you know, never getting big enough to have, uh, you know, uh, employees, but definitely uh, having to, answer directly to customers um i think that helps a lot i hope that you see um you know my my ethics and and transparency and i hope that you uh see that i you know do do my best to have my finger on the pulse of of the industry as well and uh which is not easy and and takes a lot of uh, mentorship from from great people that i try to surround myself with so um, I hope I've hit on at least one of the what you were looking. I mean, <laughs> so you know, you know how I am. When I started asking the question, I I was heading in one direction, but by the time you're done answering, I got a different follow up question, or actually, really more of a, uh, yeah, I would say a follow up question because I, I I feel well. Let me let me answer your question. Yes, I, I I was looking at the business experience when I when I first started. You know, we needed a leader, right? We needed the love. But what scared us about Smack was, you know, you know, you guys handled the technology, we handled the business, right? And and as you've learned, there's there you can't divorce them; they're integrated. Yeah. Um, and yet, it was. I feel, I felt when I introduced your the decision to the team, and and at that time, I felt like a couple people suspected it. Mm -hmm. Uh, just because of how much time you were spending in secret meetings with us. Um, and I feel like those people also were wise enough, though, to be relieved by it because people started realizing, well, wait a minute, Dan King's going to live forever. I remember when there was a Dan isn't going to live forever energetic. And, and, and just so you know, I mean, you don't want that energetic to be about yourself. Okay. You don't want to continue to think about your own demise. Um, and, and that's what started the whole thing. The, and the examiner asked, what's your exit plan? And in, in our examination in 2016, 
And my answer was an honest answer. I said, my exit plan is to die. Um, you know, fast forward uh, 18 months later on a three-year examination cycle. And so the interim, you know, exam was 18 months later. And the examiner said, you know, so Dan, what's your exit plan? I started to answer with, well, I won't say her name. Um, I have talked to my lawyers since the last time we met. <laughs> the federal government doesn't get to tell me when I'm going to retire. But you're right. We owe it to our clients to have an exit plan, not just a, a secession plan, not just an emergency secession plan. But if Dan and Stacy was to get, if our airplane was to get shot down, let's just say that, okay, now, now we're both, you know, gone on an emergency basis. Um, it's not just who's going to handle the day-to-day. -day. It's not just who's going to handle the management of the company. It's what's going to be done with the company. Right. And that's kind of where... You know, I I I feel like it kind of goes back to where I ended up uh, after you finished your answer, because I remember the first time I met you in person. I mean, we had talked on the phone several times by this, but by then we were in that Lafayette office that was up three real tall flights of stairs. And Mike, I hope you don't mind, but you know, I, I, I would like to establish that Mike has a little bit of a handicap. He, you know, I'm a physical handicap. Is that the right, the way to, way to even word that? I, you know, you know, I don't know today. I think that's uh handicapable. I'm not sure, but hey, I'm fit. I am physically disabled. You, I guess. Okay. All right. Um, I, I'm sorry about the if it's politically incorrect the way I word that. But. I don't. Hey, hey, I don't know either, and I'm the disabled one here. <laughs> well, and and no, good, good. So, but, but if it's not offensive to you, that that's what I'm I'm you know wanting to avoid there. Um, because I'm I'm also trying to avoid getting emotional about what I'm going to say here because. The first time Mike had to meet, or got to meet with us, uh, he brought his wife, uh, and our intention was to go to lunch. And I already kind of got the heads up that, hey, when Mike gets there, go downstairs. Don't make him walk all the way up them stairs. And uh, um, and yet I, I started hearing some huffing and puffing, and I don't know. And the uh, next thing you know, I'm at the top of the stairs saying, Mike, you didn't have to come up these stairs. He's like, no, no, no. And he stops and he's like, I'm, you know, and, and he made it up the rest of the stairs. And, um, and, and, and the way I worded it when I let the team know who, who's going to be their new leader is Mike has been climbing impossible stairways ever since. And, uh, I just feel like you make such a good example for anybody out there that has any kind of obstacle to overcome. I mean, I've overcome a lot of obstacles in my career, no, no physical uh, disabilities or anything like that. But, you know, everybody has everybody in the world, especially right now, post pandemic, we all have issues to overcome. Absolutely. And and not only was it the persistence that I noticed, Mike. Not only was it the ambition or the drive or the no, 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 I'm getting, I'm going all, I started these stairs, I'm finished these stairs, right? But it was also the, um, the why, uh, because I want to be one of you. I, I, I don't know, but we wanted 
and 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 we're a team of misfits. You know, I mean, we we all have our own stories. Um, we're a culture of people that know how to overcome obstacles. And so, talk to me about the biggest obstacle that you've had to overcome since we conveyed this change. And and started letting and because we decided to do kind of a soft announcement where we kind of let it sneak out here and there. I mean, we had to let the bank associations know. We didn't want them to get slapped in the face with, hey, Dan's gonna semi-retire. I always put air quotes around that, right? But what what have been some of your challenges once, you know, uh, you know, our partners were involved, our 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 bank associations knew about it. What's your challenges since then? Well, really, I would say that, um, you know, our partners and bank associations generally have been really, really supportive. Um, I think the challenges uh, are kind of just kind of just the challenges you've always faced running. You and Stacey have always faced running this company, you know, um, just kind of the making sure keeping everybody at the highest you know, level and producing and, and, and constantly um meeting or exceeding expectations um you know for me personally i would say one of the big challenges has been uh removing myself from some of the uh areas where i am involved more heavily than you know where i've always been heavily involved uh, and, and i know dan you can really relate to that um so you know i think that's probably my biggest personal challenge i would say you know we we obviously have changing changing of relationships, um, you know, with the changing of the guard per se. Obviously, that's uh, always a challenge. Um, but the thing, you know, but the thing that we uh, what, what we do tell uh, those clients and what we show and prove those clients and our actions speak louder than words is that we are the same same infotechs. Uh, you know, we will strive to get better uh we always strive to do better we always strive to exceed expectations um but yeah i mean i think this has been uh surprisingly or not surprisingly i shouldn't say <laughs> it's been very supportive um i've i've yeah i feel very uh supported uh by you know our community and by our our clients and you know the uh um cyber security community in, in general and internally, I feel like, you know, that, you know, you had mentioned one of the reasons why you felt like we chose you was your transparency. And and that is so important to us. I mean, our, our every one of our employees are, are, are very dialed into the status of our exit plan. I mean, that's pretty transparent that, you know, and, and, and by the way, future buyers, um, you know, the, the way we've organized this, if somebody buys this, because our exit plan is still to die. Um, but if, you know, I got struck by lightning when I walk out the door and it, it turns out we have to sell the company for whatever reason, we now have a cohesive unit that can be, you know, and, and really we truly, that Dan and Stacy can be plucked off and, and a new owner can be put on and the company will continue to serve its customers the way it always has. Um, and from the employee perspective, the culture will not you know, be revised. I mean, there's no business reason to adjust the culture. 
Uh, and when you read the press about how the, you know, the, all right, so, so Infotex has been through three crises since our beginning, okay? We, 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 we started our company to work with healthcare clients, and then 9-11 happened, all right? And it's just, it just really messed up the whole world financially, all that kind of stuff. And out of that crisis, we ended up landing our first bank. Yeah, I called 50 banks before I finally met. You know, I, we probably shouldn't say who, but the guy who became my mentor. And I, I said to him, look, you know, banks won't work with me because I don't work with banks. But if you work with me, I promise you, you will love to introduce us to all of your other banks and we'll be able to land them because we're working with a bank, right? And and that win-win helped us through that crisis. The second crisis was the, you know, banking industry. <laughs> we finally got into banks and things were going well. And in 2008, bam, the banking industry, you know, imploded, right? Um, and 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 how we came out of that ended up being, you know, scene two and the tripod and hiring our DSAs and that sort of thing. Well, the pandemic struck. Yeah. And 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 our culture has shifted. We used to have a really unique thing we can offer to people. You can work from home. You can't We've been doing that since 2002, folks. Um, and it's no longer unique that we're offering that. But what I'm reading in the press is everybody saying that if we're going to get this to work, we have to focus in on the culture, which is what Joe Psycho said to us way back in 2003, a year after we went remote. He basically talked us into having cultural events. And then it's really when we started building the culture. So that's kind of where I want to end our um you know, conversation this morning, Mike, is is where is the culture going from here? You're the 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 person now and and by the way, we we define what does Mike have authority over, what does Mike not have authority over and changing the culture, he does not have the authority over at least yet. But having said that, let's face it, the culture is constantly changing. It's an organic, living, breathing organism. What are your thoughts in terms of our culture? Where is it going? Where's the challenges? I think the challenge is to keep everybody excited about cybersecurity without burning out. And I think that's different for every single employee. Um, so I think, like you said, you have to have those type of incentives and, and, and you know, you have to have uh, you know, which which has been something that was unique to me uh, when I started Infotex, uh, that we declare at least part of our vacation, at least one week of our vacation by Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. Um, that is, you know, the, I, I had never seen that before. You know, it was like, hey, it was like a shh. They don't tell them that they don't use their vacation. They lose it. You know, that's what I was used to uh, seeing, you know. And so, but what I learned uh, really quick was that was uh, critical. That was critical in our business to get that time away, to get that um, that recharge that you really need. Um, so I would say that's really what I'm uh, one of the main things that I'm focused on, focusing on. But above and beyond that, ultimately, you know, a, a culture of transparency. You know, no matter who makes the mistake, you, you tell somebody. Uh, you have a right to make that mistake. 
you don't have the right to keep making that mistake. <laughs> but uh, you only had that right. Yeah, you have a right. Yep, absolutely. Yes, and that's not going to change. Uh, exceeding expectations. I mean, that is a constantly evolving. Uh, it's it's very easy to say, but it's constantly evolving, constantly monitored, and uh, it needs to be constantly monitored and maintained. Right. Um, so just to kind of keep those core Infotech's values uh, is is a, is a lot. Um, but on top of that, I think I want to, you know, continue to focus, which again, you guys have done a great job, but continue to focus on the mental health, the burnout, uh, the love, uh, you know, if you, uh, I'm, I'm horrible at this, I always mess them up, but I, I believe the saying is, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And so that's as you know, that's kind of uh, close to where, you know, we won't all do what we love. We all have to do things we don't love. But by, if we can get close, close as we can to that culture, I think that uh, employees put in that extra work. They put in uh, the 110, 120 uh, percent knowing, knowing that and feeling that. So I love the way you're ending this interview talking about love because to me that is really the commonality that connects all of us here at Infotech. you know uh we might not like the mundane work that sometimes we have to run into god the the, the payroll i'm sure glad that you win states here <laughs> i hate that it's so mon you know very detailed and you make one little mistake and you can screw stuff up right yeah um, <laughs> But I'm more than willing to do it if that's necessary for me to be able to get up and talk to people about cybersecurity, which is where I get to express my love, or or the blog, or this podcast, and 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 the newest guy that we hired. You know, what I mean, he expresses his love by, you know, what I mean, diving in and going after that one, you know, threat that he thought we had you know, found on the network there, right? Um, and that's what gets us excited. We're like volunteer firemen. You know what I mean? We're willing to polish those fire engines all day long, very mundane work, because we know that we will be better at putting out the fire if we're proud of the engine that drives us to it. Absolutely. And and that's why we selected you, Mike, is because we felt like the love, it was love that drove you up them steps that day. Right. So, Hey, now we're really thick with cyber poetry here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we don't want to kill the podcast this soon. <laughs> no, just kidding. But any parting thoughts? Thank you very much for your time, Mike. I really appreciate you taking time away from the hot seat to uh, share what it's like to be in that hot seat with our audience this morning. Uh, you know, as for parting thoughts, I, you know, obviously would like to, uh, you know, thank you and Stacy. Um uh, in Infotex, I mean, it's it's funny how the smallest thing, you know, the one person you meet, the one road you take, the one door you open, um, that can just completely change your life. Um, so yeah, that's that's my parting thought. And and I will just add to that, vice versa. Uh, uh, the gratitude is definitely mutual, Mike. Uh, you are definitely giving us. Oh, 207%. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, it's a lot more than 110, that's for sure. Um, and he's got a vacation coming up. And I and I really hope that Mike can completely disconnect. He needs that time away because that's how we retain 
the love. Yep. So with that, this has been a Cyber Views interview. And by the way, anytime you uh, hear us talk about deliverables or, you know, giveaways, uh, free giveaways, by the way, in any of these podcasts, please know that all you have to do is go to cyberviews.infotex.com and just search for the name of the podcast on that page and you'll find there the deliverables that will help you get started on some of the action items that might have arisen out of this podcast.